There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. We are talking preacher today. I am Sean Fangirl S and with me today as always is Jess. We are talking episode 3 slash 4 Monster Swap. Freaking Seth Rogen. (sighs) You know somebody's going to hear this and be like you know, you guys are annoying with that. But it's annoying because it's like, if you're watching it online, it's telling you one number. If you're watching it on your provider, it's, it's something a different. different. Number. And also, it's, seriously, I can't tell you how many times I've like, been like, wait, I'm behind? How did I get behind? This didn't happen? What? And no, it's actually... And you're like, oh no, not really. Just the number system is yeah. totally messing with me. So I'm sorry if I sound... But this is the year of complaining. I've said it a million times. This is the year of complaining. And it's just going to have to happen. Better than the year that it turned out to be with so many people buying, but yeah. All right. And we're only partway through. But we're jumping in. We're jumping into this episode, Monster Swamp. We start with Lacey, who is one of the ladies of the evening. Yes. Uh, In a house of ill repute. Yes. In Toadhine. Running. Running through a field, like, in her underwear. And then you keep seeing men running around and lights, and she runs into... She's trying to hide in, like, a sewer or something? What was that? It's like, every time they show, like, the Plain States or Texas, it's always, like, big sewer grates that are, like, underground, and I'm like, is this a thing? Is it for, like, rainwater? I don't know. I'm not... I don't... I'm serious. I'm not familiar very much with the It just seems strange. But, like, do you, I don't know, have you ever seen Drive? Like, how they have that, that big uh, place they drive through at the end of the night, and it's like, I don't know, it's crazy. It's like, basically, it looks like a bunch of bridges over some, like, or, okay, in Greece, where they race. Okay. The final race. That's a thing in California, though. Is it? No, 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 I know that. I don't know. Is it it a thing for flooding? I have no idea. I think it is. But, I mean, I know that's a thing. I just don't understand what the sewer thing is. Yeah, sorry. Look, we're already chasing the squirrel. There should be. But anyway, there was other women hiding there, and they're like, go, go, go. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, like, somebody went crazy, yeah, yeah. and they're killing people. But then she ends up getting shot with a paintball gun. And Which is kind of funny. Like, all right, I get it. I guess. But Weirdos. it was weird what was happening. And it turns out that... Oh, God, who was it that shot her? I forgot his name already. Apparently I didn't... Oh, Clive. He shoots her, and she's like, fine, Clive, you got me. And he thinks it's hilarious, but then she falls into a sinkhole. And dies. Yeah. Inexplicably. Like, what, what the heck just happened? And and I want to know if the sinkhole was there, or if it's just happened. Like I don't know. What is with sinkholes popping up everywhere? But this is real life. Like, yeah. this is terrifying, but true. That's true. There's Stranger like, than fiction. It's weird. But when we go forward, and they're actually getting the poor girl out... Yeah, she's dead. She's hu- she was upside down, wasn't she? Yeah, I th- she must have broken her neck. But 
know and he's to... like covered with gunk and you have Quinn Cannon who's just like um yeah you guys should be careful that's like, it what is that yep. and then he just leaves and I didn't understand because Tulip's like am I the only person here seeing that there's a dead girl here yeah they're just hosing off you know the body Tulip's pissed. She was pissed. But then, but then you've got to think Tulip's mom was. We find out in this episode, I believe. So basically, yeah, Tulip's mom worked the same whorehouse. Uh, so basically, Tulip is the only person who's really thinking this is a person. Right. That's the reason. Tulip is the only person who values Lacey as a person. Everyone else is like, oh, get the hooker out of that hole. Right. So yeah, Quinn Cannon doesn't care. Just like, oh, somebody's on my property. Stay off my land. Who knows what, if there's something valuable down there, like yeah, exactly. oil or whatever he is trying to dig up everywhere. Oh, that was really a little heartbreaking, though. That because was you have... What, what, what's the lady's name? Moisey? Moise? I don't know. The lady who's running it. Mosey? And she's just like, Tulip, come on, darling. Let's go back. I'm sorry this happened. But she's like the only one that's a little sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And the guys just thought it was funny. And I wanted to shoot them all right there. I'm surprised Tulip didn't, like, punch some people on the way out. Right? I really thought that was going to happen. We still have these flashbacks that we haven't exactly put everything together yet for Jesse. Yes. He's remembering back when he's, you know, a little kid, and he's at the chapel, and his father's giving a sermon. Um, he flashes back when he's playing with a young Tulip, which we find so out. Cute. But they're not playing. They're smoking. <laughs> And his dad is whipping him in front of everyone to say that they're looking to him for guidance because he's a preacher's son. It's kind of funny. Cause well, they're also the look, well, and they're also looking to, you know, Jesse's dad for guidance. I mean, the how the parents should be dealing with this, right? You know, so everybody's everybody's holding them up as an example. Probably they shouldn't, but you know, what they're, are you going to do when there's a bunch of underage smoking children? Right. There is another flashback in this episode that Jesse's dad wakes him up in the middle of the night and they end up going to Quinn Cannon's meet in power. Isn't that the weirdest combo? Thank you. I agree completely. But anyway, uh, and he's like in the hall just sitting there. He ends up stealing an ashtray, wasn't it? I think that's right. Yeah. And then you hear his dad, you know, as he's walking out of the room, just like, come on, come on, we have to go. And Quinn Cannon's yelling, denounce him. It's like, okay, is he just so anti-religion that he's being weird like this? Or what the heck is going that, on? That was very strange. Because you know what? Normal people don't say that. Right. I you didn't know, know what the deal was. When met with when met with someone proselytizing you, and trust me, I've been on both ends of this, um, <laughs> usually the appropriate, you know, social construct way to respond is to smile and nod and be like, oh, yeah, we've, we've already, you know, bought into this or you know i already donated or right like ignore you basically basically it was just really weird this part of the social contract you just smile and nod and walk away (laughs) but no denounce him is a very like that that just took me back to doctor who praise him praise him remember (laughs) it's just weird like that's not something a normal person says what i felt like walking walking along in New York, York. and, you know, there was a lot of um, homeless guys, and this one guy, he was surrounded by crosses, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be really weird. I need to walk faster. (laughs) Okay, then we come back to the now. We have Jesse and Cassidy talking for a minute, and, but Jesse's, like, not listening. He is so 
in his own head right now. I feel like all the time he's in his own head. Like, he practically is on, like, autopilot. At least lately. 45% of the time. Yeah, yeah. especially lately. Um, but Cassidy actually tries to tell him about the angels, but it, I don't feel like he's trialing too hard. <laughs> well. Yeah, you know, there's these guys, and they keep coming back. and You know, but you're not really telling him. They've, okay, I've killed these guys in- twice, and they're back again. There's something inside of you, and they want it in a powerful way, and they keep coming back from the dead to get it. Right. This is the way you should phrase that. <laughs> yeah, and the best that Cassidy does, as he grabs his gear to run outside in the sun, which was pretty comical, he has this big... The hat. It's like it's the an hat. The old hat's the- Chinese kind of hat. <laughs> like, they always show in... Like old westerns, yes. That okay. Chinese um, immigrants wore. It's, I don't know what they're almost, called. It's like a conical shape, right. a very wide conical shape, and it's very wide brimmed. So it's it's like a wide brim hat, but instead of being like close to the head and then a brim, it's giving him more it's a yeah, brim coverage. That's starting from like it's like a little, I don't know, point. It comes to a point. Yeah, yeah. it's like a pyramid or something. But All right, you know somebody out there knows what this is. People tell know. us what it is. It's on, it's on TV. You tell us. Seen it. Fangirls on podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway, um, so he runs out in his little outfit, and I love that Jesse has to give, you know, a little rip in there. He's like, what are you wearing? You know, just like... But, you know, like, not not that he thinks he's a vampire, but what are you wearing? That's Jesse's just... He's missing the Maybe important. Cassidy needs to show him he's a vampire. Like, let his hand kind of light up and pull it up. I don't know. Something. Bring his blood? I mean, I'm, I'm no. fine with either one of those. <laughs> But Cassidy's like, you should leave. You need to leave now. And obviously that's not really telling Jesse anything. So Jesse's like, yeah, bye. <laughs> you know, th- this is not a way to warn somebody, really. We need an intervention for yeah. Cassidy on, look, there's, you just need to get to the point. Right. You need to get to the Give point. Give him information. Um, Jesse vi- visits Emily and suggests all of a sudden, uh, we should raffle off a flat screen TV. Because that'll bring people in. That always brings people in. And she's like, what? Like, where's this money coming from? Right, because it's not coming from the offering. Right. So he asks Emily to buy it and then says, trust me, we'll have so many people there. Well, so I mean, is he making her pay for it then? That's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering if she had to put it on, like, her credit card or something. Because that would be my thought. Like, am I paying for this? You're high. Right. <laughs> like, what are you smoking today? Because it's not just cigarettes. It's just not your lucky strikes. Right. Um, so speaking of which, we flash flash forward in the day, and Jesse's sitting there smoking, just thinking. That's not even noteworthy. No. But, again, he's in the dark, and he's brooding, and it's like... He's a, he's he's at his parsonage. <laughs> Still kind of, you know... Is this, like, his his thing? He's just always going to be brooding and smoking and drinking. In the dark, without yes. a shirt on? Again. He's wearing a shirt. Are we sure? I feel like he was shirtless at one point. I would have taken it off, Sorry. Anyway, let's move forward. Uh, Cassidy visits the angels and saying, and ugh, really, I was a little disgusted at this moment because he's like, all right, listen, we need to get cash. And he, he wants things. He wants whores. He has a drug habit. He wants this. He wants that. And so they give him money. And he immediately goes to Toad Vine, which, I mean... Because he needed a horror and, a, and, and drugs, drugs and everything yeah, else himself. And he's just saying, uh, yeah, it's totally Jesse that needs this. It's super fine. Like, hey, uh, at this point, I would think that the guys would, if they really thought that Jesse was the one who needed all that, did all that, that he would be 
not in control of whatever's inside of him. Like, I think that... That's fair. Because, like I said, I feel like there has to be some kind of balance for this entity. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't they think, okay, no, he's gone over the edge, so he's going to explode soon anyway. It's fine. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's not how it works. It just felt like that. that's how it is to me. Now, do these guys... They don't know he's a vampire. No, they do know, right? They do know. Okay. It was kind of, like, not alluded to. It's like, are you those vampire hunters? Like, we're not chasing you. We don't care about you. We care about the thing inside your best friend. Right. You know, awkward. Best friend that he's known for, like, you know, a week. (laughs) Like like I said, these guys don't know what's going on. Right, that's true. They have no clue. So if you know your BFFs, or your husband, we don't know. You're living with him, and you're in some sort of a relationship. Right. So, like you said, he is over at Toadvine, mm-hmm. which is the whorehouse. Which, a lot of things happen there. We'll get to it in just a minute. But a lot of interesting things happen, and leads us, I think, to a big reveal. Yes. Okay, so first we're at Quinn Cannon's meet and power again. <sighs> this is just... Mayor Miles is trying to be very, very good mayor. He's trying to pacify him and stroke his feathers lovingly and trying... While trying to help the town While somehow. trying to help the town. He's, he's being a very good, like, middleman. Yes. Trying to support the town and then Quinn Cannon's ego, which just needs to be shot. And the guy just pees all over it, literally. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, he's trying to talk up Green Acres and see, you know, maybe this can help. And he just, yeah, randomly decides to take a leak inside the poor mayor's briefcase wherein all the brochures kept screaming don't look at me you're whipping it out to pee in front of me and you're like don't look at me this didn't it's like you got problems I don't understand man Quinn Cannon needs to go like he's the scary thing in the show like nothing else in the show is scary he's crazy he's just so weird I don't understand it Mm -hmm. and well that's I think that's the really terrifying thing about him is that he's completely like no, you just don't know. That's you true. You don't know what he's going to do. I have no clue. He's in a job. And that's got to be going back to whatever he was screaming at Jesse's dad to denounce him, assuming he's meaning God. What if he meant something else and we have no clue? We don't know. We absolutely don't know. Denounce his father, denounce God only knows. Right. Very well, strange. Canon, probably. Right. Maybe he's possessed. Maybe he has a demon or something. Like, this, I mean, this is the kind of show, like, that could happen. <laughs> that's true. We have the angels in their room again, and they panic because the phone is ringing. But it's the hotel phone. Right. Because apparently their weird phone that they pulled out is a direct line to their bosses. Which is kind of interesting. Right. It's like a pager for angels. (laughs) Which makes me wonder if that actually comes to happen. You know, they get that phone call, and they answer it. Who and what is on the other line? Exactly. What is being said? Is Cass on the other line? That'd be so fun. Castiel? Wait, you've crossed over. I'm not, I've not been watching. I'm not caught up, so I don't, don't, I mean, whatever. Supernatural, I can't, I can't be there. You know who Castiel is. I do, I do. But I don't know anything about what's going on with him, so. (laughs) Um, anyway. And it's weird because, again, Fiora doesn't seem to know how to act, what to be. Because he keeps watching these commercials and all of a sudden, like you said, he wanted a burger. He goes to the front desks and orders the burger. And the guy's like, we're at a hotel, we have a vending machine, what are you doing? Right. Like, we don't do delivery. We're not to Giorno. Just get out. Apparently, they don't have, you know, 
the food apps around there to no. deliver. That's depressing. Yeah. We don't have one around here. That's true. Well, no, but we're close to things. Like, we could go, if yes, you and I decided we wanted to taco, we could go get a taco. You know. I want a taco. A taco sounds great. Mm. <laughs> Food. Now you know what we're probably doing after the podcast. <laughs> uh, so let's get to Emily arriving home, and Miles is babysitting for her. So apparently, you know, they're pretty good friends if the mayor's doing babysitting for you. They look like they're of an age. Like, he looks maybe, what, like a year or two older than her? He's not much older than her. Maybe they went to school together. They're friends. Oh, they. Do we ever hear what happened to her husband? Just that he had died. Yeah. We don't have the information. Okay. Um, they have a drink together. They're talking and they're laughing. And then all of a sudden she looks at him and she goes, you know we're never going to be together, right? And he's like, yeah, you made that abundantly clear. So she gets up. She takes off her pants. She's like, all right, come on. Don't forget. you got to get out early because kids almost caught you last time. I'm like, What? So clearly they we're never going to be together was in the romantic sense because physically they're being together on a regular basis that they have this plan and it's understood that they're going to have sex. So I don't understand why. I mean, obviously it's because her heart belongs to stupid Jesse, but stupid Jesse can't stupid see Jessie. her. Like, I'm, you don't I, call my man stupid. I love him. <laughs> Do not think that I don't. But honestly, like, this chick is just blind, deaf, and dumb. If she can't see, this dude has nothing for her. But like, it's like the exact same thing that's happening with her and Miles. I know. But you expect the man to be stupid. I'm sorry. Like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, you do expect, to, like, you know, the guy not to necessarily, like, to be like, okay, whatever, then we're just physical, that's fine. But you don't expect the chick to be like, I guess I do. I guess I do expect her to be stupid and say, I'm going to love you forever, even though you never look at me. Ugh. I don't Again. Know. When this guy seems nice, I'm like, to go on a date with him, what are you doing? Well, yeah, he seems nice, but I mean, we obviously have no idea what else is going on. He seems like the only person in the entire town that's on the up and up. That's true. So, so you could take that crap elsewhere. Until I find out, I'm going to believe that he's a no, nice guy. No, but I'm guy. saying, like, what went on in their past, that they knew, that's true. you know, maybe he was her husband's best friend, and she doesn't feel... Her brother. It could, it could be something weird like that. Which is true. Oh, that's even but weirder, then, though, if you're then, sleeping with them. Maybe you're having sex with him already, so maybe it's not that weird. <laughs> uh. Obviously, it's not the physical thing. I was just like, well, maybe he's just not cute enough for her. But she's boning him, so clearly it's not that <laughs> bad. Like, clearly... Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's not that big a deal. Random words. You're awesome. All right, uh, let's head back to Toadvine. And we spent a lot of time in the we courthouse today. Did. We're, yeah, because there's a lot going to happen. Um, all the prostitutes are together, along with the Quinn Cannon crew of guys who are kind of douchebags. Um, and they're trying to remember Lacey. Although the one I didn't understand, she was giving a poem, and then that's what kind of threw Tulip. She's like, what the hell does it have to do with anything? She's like, it's a metaphor. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I could think of was Guardians of the Galaxy. Metaphors go over his head. Nothing would go over my head. I'm too fast. I would I'll catch, catch it. it. <laughs> Finger to the throat means death. Uh-huh. Metaphor. No. Okay, let's go with it. Yeah. And then somehow, after Tulip gets all enraged and she's screaming at Clive, uh, M- Mosey. Is that how we decided to say it? Because I forgot. <laughs> she's basically the Dolly Parton. If this was Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, she's Dolly Parton. Oh. She's the, I don't know. The, she the, is the madam. Madam. That's it. Okay, that's what I'm looking for, the madam. She offers a free hour for everyone. And I'm like, what 
What? Okay, I'm sorry, and I'm putting this out here, and I know somebody's gonna. Yeah, thank you. I'm saying I know somebody's gonna be like, "That's so wrong." Those you know these guys are not taking an hour. No, those poor girls. Mostly because they're all drunk to hell at this point. So yeah, and all the girls. I'd be more worried they're gonna beat me for an hour. Like these guys are a holes. That's true. A lot of them were beat you unconscious and then rape you. Like, and yes, a prostitute can be raped. (laughs) You're unconscious. Just saying. All of a sudden, some music gets turned up, and that just, like, throws Tulip over the edge. Yes. And she runs up, and she... What did she grab? Like, something to whip whip a guy. I don't remember what it was, now. But she's, like, hitting some guy and screaming, and then causes this guy to go out the window, and she thinks it's Clive. And Clive comes to the door and looks, and it turns out it was Cassidy. Oh. And Tulip flips out. I don't know if she was more mad that it wasn't... Clive, or that she's just about killed somebody. She has no idea who she who he is, except in passing. Right. So yeah, they're driving to the hospital, and Tulip's like holding Cassidy's head, and she's like, "Don't die, don't die, please don't die." And then she's praying. She's like, "God, I will be good if you save this man." Oh, such a liar! Right. And all of a sudden, Cassidy's like, "Kiss me, kiss me," and I'm like, "Cassidy, you're such an ass because you know you're not you dying. Know you're fine." And so she kisses him, and at the hospital, she's, like, screaming at the nurse. She's like, my friend needs help. And the nurse's like, who? Now, wouldn't the nurse be like, why are you covered in blood? This nurse was just like, oh, whatever. Whatever. Take a number. And she She turns around. Cassidy's gone. She follows the blood. Smart. And turns out that Cassidy, and again, nobody notices this blood all over. He's broken into the blood bank and is drinking it. I found a bar and drank it. You know, hilarious. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. Because I would think they'd be a little more attentive. Is You'd it, think, yeah. It's like, oh, whatever, it's fine. Is everybody, like, on this whole there, or there something are, in there? There's what a lot that? of Xanax going around this town. Like, way to, more to than deal should be with happening. The pathetic emptiness of their meaningless lives. Like, they're all on Xanax, and they just are not worried about it. Apparently. It's crazy. I mean, I probably need more Xanax in my life, but the fact of the matter is that these people are taking too much. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the people who, on Miranda, they had that oh, drug. Oh, yes. That, and they're all very pacified, and they're just not worried about it, and they're not moving that fast. And then one-tenth of one percent is really super crazy, hyper-aggressive like Donnie was, and they're trying to eat people alive. And that's what's happened. <laughs> and the other people just lay down and die. This is a um, Serenity AU. <laughs> so we go to assuming the next day because we don't, you know, that happened at night with Cassie and Tulip. Mm-hmm. And it's during the day, and Jesse is actually at Quincan's office, and they're building a model of the Alamo and painting. And just like, this seems weird. This does not seem like something that Jesse would just normally be doing with this guy. But the way they talked, this is something they've done quite often. Mm hmm. And I'm like, I didn't understand that at all. So if anybody has insight on that little tidbit, yeah, why they're just hanging out together. Because Quinn Cannon's like, you know, we had an agreement. You don't talk. What was it? You don't talk church and I don't talk business? Right. Okay. But I'm like, what? This is weird because he is, Quinn Cannon is saying he's an atheist. Um, but Jesse's like, yeah, if you come to church, I guarantee you're going to be a Christian when you leave. Or you can have all my daddy's land. Right. That's the only thing, because Quinn Cannon wanted those 20... Hectares. How big is that? Hectares. 
Uh, I'll find out. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I know Eggers. It's I, the biggest plot in Anvil, though, that he that doesn't, he doesn't own. already own. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he's all for it, because he's like, yeah, you're not changing my mind. There's no way in hell I'm going to suddenly, you know, become, you know, a Bible thumper. Precisely. And so then they just keep going on, building the model. So on Sunday, we, you know, we fast forward to Sunday, and Jesse is up in front of the congregation and talking about how everything's gone to crap and it's all his fault because you've turned your back, I've turned my back, and I'm going to bring you all back. One hectare is two and a half acres. It's roughly two and a half acres. It's uh, 107,000 square feet. That's a lot of money. Wiki. Yeah. Thank you, Wiki. Thank you, Wikipedia. Maybe you can sponsor us. Anyway, as he's going on his sermon and on and on, and he, he's walking out, he's like, I'm going to bring you all to God, because what's inside him, Jesse truly believes it's something from God, some kind of power. Right. So he's walking to Quinn Cannon, and Quinn Cannon's going to leave, and he's like, serve God. It's like, no, and you lost. I don't even know why you brought me here. And he says it, then he starts doing his voice. And the special voice, he says, serve God. And all of a sudden, Quinn Cannon's like, of course I will. And everybody kind of flips out. They flip out quietly because you're still in church. You're still in church. Keep your voice down. You're not going to be hooping and hollering, but still, it was like, what? Oh, my God, what just happened? It was amazing. (laughs) And so everybody was excited that this happened, and they're going to raffle off, which all is, you know, background, raffle off the big screen TV, which is just sitting outside. Again, Everybody in town's there already, so I guess they don't have to worry about anyone stealing it. But I, yeah, I would have thought that was kind of maybe it's just the empty box outside. No, it was the TV. It wasn't yeah. even in the box. It's so I'm like, oh, what oh. is that? Why are you just having it out? That was That's weird. weird. But maybe, she, maybe she got an open box to start. Yeah. There you go. Poor, poor Emily. And finally, our last image of this episode was the angels in the hotel room, and their phone rang. Yes. Their special phone, and, and they, they kind of freak other. out because they don't know what to do. And That's it, man. Curtains. So Jess has some some stuff for us, though. Um, so I'm super active on Tumblr, and I really, really love seeing anything about Preacher. It took Tumblr about 35 seconds to just start, like, wrecking a bunch of uh, <laughs> Preacher blogs to me, which is great. Um, but somebody on uh, laid out a bunch of, like, really fascinating tropes that, uh, and that's a quote, fascinating slash awesome tropes is how she described it. Um, the username I think would be Paul Dearden. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, but there's no spaces, so I'm just guessing. Um, but they're talking about like some different things that the show's bringing up that are so fantastic. And the first thing she mentions is they're an interracial couple in the deep South, right? And this is like a Southern sort of Gothic genre to begin with, but this idea of, you know, a racially ambiguous, but obviously probably mixed or, you know, African-American woman Mm -hmm. with a very, very pale, you know, man. Also talking about like the social class, right? She's the daughter of a whore. He's the daughter, the son of a preacher. He's, you know, always going to be, even if they're poor, even if he's like in the backwater, there's going to be like a level of respect throughout the town for him because his dad's the preacher and he's an upstanding moral citizen. I still don't know what happened to his mom, but she's coming from the bad, you know, she's on the, the wrong side of town and you know, he's supposed to be an example, and she's just going to be the person that people look at like, well, that girl didn't have a chance, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then they're childhood best friends. They're getting into trouble together, even, like, despite all this crap. And somehow they're partners in crime. They're falling in love with each other. They're running off a thousand miles away to Chicago adjacent, <laughs> which, hello, <laughs> my favorite. Um, and um, they're becoming, like, this Bonnie and Clyde kind of couple. And the cast and showmates, like, the actors, the cast runner, you know, everybody keeps describing them as soulmates. And we haven't seen that as much in the show, but obviously people who've read more of the material, people who know what's going on, are saying these two are like two halves of a whole. So that's kind of exciting anyway, just as an idea of where the showrunners' heads are at. Um, And then obviously we don't know what happened to Maven break up, and then life forces them back together again. And despite the fact all of this, they're probably each other's downfall. And I'm just like reading this and freaking out because I'm like, this is just incredible like this idea that you know despite all of these differences they get together and then despite how much they're together and how much regardless of how much they care about each other they're still like probably terrible for each other i love it and i love her <laughs> she's fantastic i couldn't be happier with the cast with with her casting or his casting he's fantastic <laughs> but, so thank you again for allowing us to kind of chat about like your thoughts and I was like super excited when she said we could talk about it. It's like this is this is the good stuff that I want to talk about on our podcast. So there's more obviously out there. We want to hear from you. So fangirlzonepodcast at gmail dot com. In the subject line, you can always put you know more Tumblr, more fanfic, fan yeah. art. I saw some freaking amazing fan art. I wish you know what I wish I thought thought about at the time because I was like oh I can't really describe this and deal with it you know talk about <laughs> it on podcasting but then I thought about it later I was like god we could have linked it to our so if I come across like any more good fanfic or you guys want to wreck stuff like I love looking at that people that love something enough to say I'm going to take out a pen and some paper and like make art or you know photoshop and make art I think that's fantastic like yeah, let us know link us to your pages we'll put it up on the Facebook page we'll put it up on the we'll fan girl or fan, fanboy with you like we'll we'll all like <laughs> put our arms around each other and cry together it's fine <laughs> oh my god i can't breathe okay for this episode of preacher episode three slash four monster swamp i am sean fangirl s and jess and until next time peace